Because you want to live in the forefront of your times, in ideals and in sacrifice, you have elected this. Live from Mad Rivers Boulevard, it's Paul and Ray! Hi, Z. Hi, now, we've been coming to you for, what, 65, 66, 67 podcasts? Yeah, a few, a few now. What's going on at the moment, though? This might have been the hardest one we've had to put together. Now, we've been <laughs> in different sides of the world, and we've just decided not to do it. We've been in different parts of the country. That's been fine. But just getting together yeah. this week has been really weird. It really has. It seems like every time we arrange a time, something goes wrong, we have to change it, then oh. we get something coming that we can't ignore, then we have to ch- I mean, it is a nightmare of Titanic proportions, and now we're hiding in a tiny little room at Sky News. <laughs> You're sitting on what appears to be a filing cabinet. Yep, what can I say? <laughs> the glamour of podcasting, people. The glamour of podcasting. You know, now look, while, while the podcast is not affiliated, we do appreciate being able to squat. <laughs> We do. And I I think we have about as much legal protection (laughs) when that happens. Mm. But this is the thing. You have these weeks. You just have these weeks where, oh, the car's got to get fixed. I had a scenario where uh, I was driving on the M2, 100 k's an hour, tyre blew out, right? What? Tyre blew out. (gasps) Tell me what happened because that's been my great fear that when a tyre blows out when you're driving and you see all those truck tyres that have blown out on the side of the road and I think to myself, it's a scene from a Michael Bay film when that happens. Well, this is it. You know, I was in the centre lane and I'm showing Rach the picture of the blown tyre now. Ooh. That's a blown tyre, right? Wow. Okay. So what happens is I was in the centre lane, uh, back right hand tyre goes bang. Now, I don't remember hitting anything. I don't have any recollection of, oh, you know, aiming for, uh, you know, spikes or anything. Yeah. But uh, the car sort of pushes out, you know, imagine sort of a giant kick uh, to the right-hand side of the car. So it's gone 45 degrees <gasps> into the next lane. <gasps> and for some reason, now, even though I have done zero defensive driving or all of that stuff, um, I've just gone, well, no, you can't hit the brakes because if I hit the brakes, then the car will flip. So you have to drive out of it. So I hit accelerate, which meant bang, car went back level, and then I just pulled it off to the side of the road. Here is your years of movie obsessions coming in handy because you've seen all the Fast and the Furious films, <laughs> and somehow, by osmosis, that has come in so you know how to deal with an automobile crisis. Well, I also knew that every time I get in the car, I say, this could be the last time. <laughs> Knowing that there'll be another 700 times I'm going to get in there. But you, your car was rooted this week? Yeah, but what it is was it in the shop. When the car is rooted, mm. your week is destroyed. Oh, and also, the other thing I had immense difficulty with this week was the fact that I was sick and tired of the poltergeist that I have discussed on this podcast before that was happening in the back wheel of my car but that never made the noise when I turned up to the mechanic. Did you follow the advice of PMOs? A little bit of voice memoing? <laughs> I didn't. What I did was take it up to the mechanic and say to him, I am not taking this back until that is found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is, there did is, you get up in his grill? I got up in his grill, but one thing I said to him was I came into his office and I said, hello, here I am again, the lady with the odd noise that keeps disappearing in the back of the vehicle. I said, every time I brake, this is happening. The brakes are important. I'm going on a trip <laughs> this weekend. I have to drive an hour and a half. Yeah. There is no way that I'm getting into a car that doesn't have exceptionally working brakes. You know what? It's, it's a big thing to ask, but still. <laughs> <laughs> he said to me, oh, it happens when you break. That You didn't tell me that. No, no, no. no. 
I 100% told you that. I told you the first time, the second time, the email, the text, everything. Every time. Every time I told you. So he said, oh, that's not a good thing. No shit. That's why I've been back here nine (laughs) times. I have better things to do with my time than hang out in your shop and then go back home again. So he said, is there any rush on when you need it back. Now, mm. here is where the issue was. Of course there is. But I get stuck in situations like that because I don't want to be too pushy. No. I mean, no. ultimately, I could leave it till the end of the day, but I'm thinking to myself, well, no rush means he's at least going to get back to me by the end of the day, right? Oh, stop it. <laughs> no rush means next Thursday. This was my issue. Oh. I had the full day. I was like, you know when you like somebody and they haven't called you and yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. whether to call them, you don't want to be too needy, you know, you don't know when the right time to call is, you're thinking, I hadn't heard anything for all day and I was like that person. I was doing those backflips in my head. I'm like, oh, he should have called by now. Now. I mean, is that a bad thing? Do, do, is it too soon to call? What does no rush mean? Does that mean I have to leave it two days? Is it three days until I call? I rang him up and at the end of the day and I said, hi, it's me with the Toyota Paseo. Ugh. And he said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, oh, I haven't had a look at it yet. I'll get to it tomorrow. And I was like, hang on a second. I have a garage. I don't need your place just to house my car. You're listening to Paul and Rach. Speaking a bit of cars, though, um, Volkswagen, we must very briefly talk about this. And no, not their connection to uh, Nazi Germany Level 2, <laughs> which to me is a slightly larger scandal than the one that they are currently involved in. What they did, of course, was to fiddle with the device that claims that they're actually you know, pushing out clean air, but it's really shitty air. Now, I know that that's bad, but it's not brakes. No. It's not the steering wheel that when you go left, it goes right. Yeah. It's not, you know, the windows suddenly explode. Is it wrong that I can't get as excited as others because, oh, no, there's dirty air going out? I think that the bigger issue is, again, to relate this to relationships, which apparently (laughs) motor vehicles seem to, I don't know how this works for me. What's the CO2 level in your relationship? (laughs) Very high. Mm. I think it's like that moment in a relationship where your partner says to you... I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I lied about the fact that I made dinner tonight. I actually got it from a takeaway joint and I put it into some bowls. And you have that moment you, where you think, well, if you lied about oh, this... Well, this is the thing. <laughs> Perhaps, dare I say, the classic male-female response, <laughs> where if my partner said, look, I lied about that, I'd go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Fine. Like, you know, look, um, remember how I said I was only with 10 people? Well, okay, maybe that's a thing. That's a different thing. But I feel like it's just, it injects the sense of deceit that I don't think the Volkswagen company, you know, that's not what people think of. They think, I mean, they're not World as War trustworthy. II. I know World War II. I'm saying because everyone forgets it. This Everyone's forgotten well, that, though. But, but, but I know, but this is what I find so weird. Mm. And look, go Googling because there are insurance companies. There are all these companies that I don't and won't buy for because they made profits out of that time. Now, I'm not getting all lefty on you, people. Mm. I'm just saying, you know what? The lag of that time should go. Keep the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. Went and saw The Martian. Oh, this is uh, this is big news. <laughs> is this big news because you haven't seen it yet? You're beating me. I I am doing this a lot lately. You, well, this is it. You know, God love having a baby, but uh, <laughs> it's somewhat with the movie schedule. Yeah, that's true. So there are a few things I want to discuss about The Martian. Good film. Mm. Very good film. Likey, likey. Likey, likey. Is it long? 
Two and a half. Because this is the thing. I, you find now that everything to be considered a quality production mm. must go the best part of three hours. And this is why I often never go to the movies because the idea that I have a chunk of three hours to dedicate to just one space and mm. I'm not flitting around thinking about something else or doing something else, to me is, you know, it just is a very long time. But also it's not just two and a half hours. It's two and a half hours plus the 20 minutes of previews, ads and everything. Mm. It's like for some reason, even if you go to a movie, you know, a kid's movie that's is 85 minutes. They find a way to make the session go for three hours. Yeah, exactly. And you know why? Because they want to make sure that the three-hour free parking never happens. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon it's a little deal that they've got with mm. the cinema and they pay no rent, right? Mm. Like they pay no rent to Westfield in exchange for every person yeah. who parks has to pay Pays for parking. for parking, exactly. So we went there. The movie was great. Really enjoyed it. Matt Damon was awesome. The first thing I wondered was, what is our obsession with space at the moment? It seems like every two seconds there's a new film about us all out in space somewhere. Well, but also uh, sort of space going wrong too. Yes. Because yeah, it's yeah. this thing, how, they've sort of worked out this sort of this horror movie-like element, which mm. is imagine being thousands of kilometres from home and no chance of coming back. But, and you've got to grow your own vegetables. But the unfortunate <laughs> thing about that is that I believe they set unrealistic expectations. Now, I'm quite sure... <laughs> what, space movies? <laughs> yes. Okay, so what about Star Wars was far-fetched for you? <laughs> this is In this particular movie, I'm quite sure they have a lot of people that are in the fact department, so that all of the calculations and things are, you know, at least... Maybe some within... sort of consultant who's, who's at at least looked at space. Absolutely. Goes, oh, come on, you can't do that with a pen. Exactly. If you're going to make a film that is entirely centred around NASA, I'm sure NASA has some kind of involvement in the, please don't make us look like a bunch of chumps with post-it notes and calculators. Unless they've done that thing where they turn around and, uh, you know, deliberately misspell NASA, so then they don't have to check it all. And it's like, whoa, whoa, there's four S's? This is your basic principle of Asian knockoffs. Oh, yes. Your Tomney Hilfinger, your Dolce and Gabla. <laughs> Plaza, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you're close enough, but you're not close enough to be sued. <laughs> this is the bit I've never understood, you know, about, about the knockoff bags. Like if people go to Italy or whatever and they go and buy the knockoff bag. Now I get it. The, the fair income bag is expensive, mm. but it doesn't really matter if it's fake, whether you buy it from the back streets of Rome near the Spanish steps mm. or Parkley markets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Still exactly. a fake. So uh, Matt Damon's, you know, on Mars and he gets left behind and I am going to issue a spoiler alert, although it's not going to spoil the whole film. But there is a moment where he has to get a touch MacGyver because something's buggered up in the uh, in his space home. Okay. I'm not sure what they call that. Dome. Space igloo. Space igloo. Okay, it is space igloo. Because how's this? You know, basic science? That it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I realised that uh, Mars is super cold, not super hot. Yeah, I wasn't aware you go, of that oh, it's either. Super red, and you know, I remember, you know, in Total Recall, everyone explodes, and mm. you assume that's because it's super hot. No, super cold. Yeah, I didn't even know that until <laughs> about an hour and a half into the movie when all of his plants freeze. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, it's rare outside. <laughs> Exactly. So at one point he has to do a bit of a MacGyver on his space igloo because essentially it's it's important that those things are airtight when you're living on a planet where nothing can exist outside. Suppose. Suppose. So there is a I'm gonna say puncture, even though it was more significant than a puncture, and the way that he basically made his home livable again was with what looked like plastic tarp and some duct tape. 
such rubbish. I mean, in one scene, he basically puts the outside of this joint together, and then in the next scene, he's wandering around in his pajamas inside, making a cup of coffee with no helmet on. And I'm like, mate, I understand that when it's like a pilot, right? Mm. A pilot understands that all of those noises that make you terrified in 24E are just stock standard, run of the mill noises. That's the way a plane happens. There's nothing to be worried about. So when you have more knowledge, you have more power. You are less scared. So as an, an astronaut, you're in there and I'm sure it's, you know, you know about the structural integrity of certain things, but I just don't buy that plastic tarp and some duct tape is enough to secure you in a planet where if you take your suit off, you f- explode. But also, who's been marking up the cost of duct tape and, uh, and, and tarp? Because last time I checked, it cost billions of dollars. In what the space it? program, just generally the space program. Oh yes, anything to go on in space. Oh, that's that's seven billion, mate. <laughs> it's a little bit like you know, it doesn't matter what uh, world you work in. If you go to your engineering, your IT, or your technical department, mate, there's a problem with my email. Oh, that'll cost thirty grand. Sorry, mate. It's just <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just my signature is misspelled. Nah, thirty grand, mate. The other thing that I noticed that wasn't space related, but that was tight ass myself related, was that this was the very first time that I brought. To a 3D movie, 3D glasses (laughs) that I'd worn in another 3D movie. Now, let me tell you why this doesn't work and shouldn't be done. Uh I turned up to the ticket booth and I said, because when we were in Tas, I had somehow kept the 3D glasses from when I was in Tas. And down in Tas, you have to pay an extra $2 for 3D glasses. Did you traffic 3D glasses (laughs) across state lines? I did. I smuggled 3D glasses. So I came up thinking, I am uber prepared. I've given 2.0 a bit of a check this out. I'm, here's some I prepared earlier. Came up to the ticket booth and we ordered the tickets. And I said, make sure you don't get the 3D glasses because I've already got us a pair. Went off and I said, and he came back with no 3D glasses. And he's like, oh, they really wanted to give me the 3D glasses. And I was like, well, we don't need them. We've got them here. And he was like, yeah, but they come with the price of the ticket. Like, they're not anymore There's nothing, nothing's tacked on. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought that that's what happened everywhere, but clearly it just happens in Tasmania. So I was like, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyway. We've got these 3D glasses. Oh, did you make him not get fresh ones? We did. And we sat down in the film and they got to the point where they say, now is the time in the previews to put on your 3D glasses. And all of the text was a bit off and still doubled. You know when you take the 3D glasses off and you look at the 3D screen and you go, oh, they've just overlaid that a few times. And I looked at him and I said, is your 3D glasses working? And I looked at the sign and... And we were in an event cinema and these were village glasses. (laughs) So I had to go back outside to the guy. After after saying, no, no, we're fine, making a whole sort of, you know, point about. And say, oh, God, you wouldn't have any spare 3D glasses, would you? Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Big event in the radio world this weekend. Uh, the annual radio awards are on, the ACRAs. True. And, you know, as former ACRA winners, mm. we, uh, I think, have to pass judgment. Yes, please. No, we're not going to go category by category as much as... <laughs> Could we? You know. Could we, please? <laughs> <laughs> now, I always had a view about these nights where I was like, oh, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And then as soon as I turned up, I loved them. Oh, yeah, but you're good as in soon these situations. As soon as I turned up, I loved them. How did you feel? Did you feel it was sort of a, a room of douche, a room of ego, a room of equals, a room of fun? Mm. How did you find them? Well, my two experiences with the ACRAs, I think I've had two, potentially three experiences. I believe one was with you when we won an award. Yeah, we went to Melbourne and then that bizarre vegetarian restaurant the next day. We did, indeed. 
and uh, I'm pretty sure, not that I remember much about the circumstances of that, but I would have forced you to go. Well, no, you you and Sean, because Ah, Sean was there. It was one of the rare times that SK was actually at the Ah, damn thing. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like, oh, let's go to whatever, Fitzroy. Veggie bar? Oh, Veggie bar, it's one of my faves. It goes on forever. (laughs) And you know, and you know, you're trying to find, if you're not into that gear, you're trying to find the thing that's sort of for you. Yeah, you're trying to find the thing that's kind of like meat. Yeah, and then you go, okay, sweet potato fries are like normal fries. I'll have that. And then, of course, the stupid bit of you goes, I'll have a Coke. We don't serve that here, sir. Okay, I'll just have a water. That's so true. Uh, So the first time I remember I had been out of the industry for a long time and you and I were there because we'd been nominated and you were very good and very into the industry and knew a lot of people and I felt like tag-along Tess, not because you made me feel that way but because I was brand new and I was sort of like, I don't know a lot of people anymore because I've been out of the business for so long. The second time that I went – so I have been three times. The second time I went, we were nominated, but we didn't win. And big I, knots. I big did, knots for eight. <laughs> I did have a decent time. The third time I went, it was a hot minute after it had been announced to the industry oh. that our show had been cancelled. That's right. So it was just person after person, oh. I mean, delightfully coming up going, how could your show what? get cancelled? We had no idea. I'm like, you think you had no idea. But also the weirdest thing about that is, is, is when it's bosses from other companies and you go, you know you could rectify this situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that I'm noticing there's lots of little moments now when I'm starting to feel how old I am. Mm. And a big one of those is it's 10 years this year since I hosted those awards. Well, that was back when I was at Nova and I was doing late nights, right? So the idea of the late night Nova guy hosting them was weird. But mm. anyway, I hosted them. Dame Edna, fantastic. I was ripping and tearing and I was hanging shit on Vega, which was owned by the same company, and I was hanging shit on, you know, everyone. You know, I was introducing people like the best decision he ever made as a program director was to put himself on the air. How brave. Please <laughs> welcome. You know, and I, my whole style. P.S. Vega got you back by becoming smooth and becoming number one. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so, you know, and, and I'm sitting on a... Uh... <laughs> Filing cabinet, yep. Yeah, so I won that one. Anyway, <laughs> but I remember, you know, 10 years ago that that was also the moment where, and we've made up after this, but this was when um, I kind of broke the awards a little oh. bit, which was Alan Jones had been winning and winning and winning and winning, he won everything. And then I remember I sort of... You know, did my thing, or a bit of swearing, bit of this, bit of that. You know, and he won the last time. And some other people turned around, and, and you know, they did the traditionally nasty things about Alan. I, I didn't do any of those mm. things, but I remember he came up to me after, and it's ten years ago this year. And where I came down, we worked together at Sky News. But he came up to me and said, "Paul, you're a very talented young man who's got a wonderful future in front of him, but the f- and the shits and the f- and the poos have got to stop. You wouldn't say any of that to your own mother, would you?" Well, there were other people's mothers in that room today, and you cannot say You can't say shit. And I'm sitting there trying not to laugh. Because it's, a, it's hilarious. It's a bit hard to be in trouble for swearing whilst I'll be swearing at you. You're listening to Paul and Rach. You mentioned Dame Edna, and it got me thinking about something. Have you seen this week they released the outfit that the next Miss Universe will be wearing? Now, okay, I get it. Australia doesn't have a national costume in that 
you know, that I don't know, I don't know what the English national costume is, but we really scrape the bottom of the barrel every year. Every year. Every year. Now, unfortunately, I know that the designers who design these things take this very seriously, so they're not actually taking the piss. But that's what I always think. I always think that the, the, the silliness and over the topness, the sort of borderline drag queen and Priscilla vibe, is a bit of irony, a bit of a giggle. I'm not sure it is. I think that they see that there is a small window to get attention on that stage and the more outlandish the costume, the more attention they're going to get. However, the issue is this. It seems to me a bit of a you to people who are so beautiful that we just want them to look <laughs> shit for five minutes. Get the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. We must just swiftly have a bit of a word about... <laughs> She's got her hands on her cheeks. I do. Okay, sorry. So we're doing this like Home Alone. About that deputy Auburn mayor oh. who had that news interview. And so ins- appropriately, we can't move our facial muscles. <laughs> <laughs> and insisted on answering his podium. questions behind a lectern because he thinks apparently that all it takes to be the Prime Minister of the country is to talk into a microphone on a lectern. It's so ridiculous. It is. why There is no job for satirists anymore because these people do this shit themselves. I mean, you could not write that better script. This guy wanted to deliver his message to an empty room and for his wife to stand couple of metres behind, not too close. Not moving, just looking smiley, smiley. Just so weird. I wrote an article yesterday for news.com.au, which was like the top ten reasons why Salim would be a great PM. Now, I cannot tell you how many responses, including one guy who retweeted it and said, this girl must have been dropped on her head as a baby. Does he understand it was a joke? This is what I'm saying. I have had so many emails and contact people contacting me saying, this is ridiculous, how could you support? His in it, I talk about how his penchant for luxury vehicles means he wouldn't mind somebody getting a helicopter to Geelong. Yeah, you know, yeah. it is a joke. But that's the classic thing, and you know, you now join the ranks of Miranda Devine, Andrew Bolt, and other people uh, who write very well. But here's the little thing that you may not know: the author doesn't always write the headline. And often, (laughs) often Twitter outrage in particular or comments outrage or whatever is people not actually reading it. Yes. In fact, I must say, and I know I'm kind of proving my own point here, but I can remember there was a little bit of research around that that apparently it's only about a third of all articles shared on the internet are actually read by Mm. the person sharing it. Mm. They just go, well, this looks like something I should be part of. Yes. Forward. <laughs> want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrache.com.au. I don't want to say that in the Paul and Rach office we've been bad at keeping notes over the years, but I was thinking about the people who we uh, helped get married at Bathurst. However, what, five, six years ago? Oh, yeah. I wonder how they're going. Do you ever think about those people? Yeah. Every time Bathurst comes up, and that's on this weekend, you go, Holden? In fact, our uh, photos are still on our Facebook page. If you are the couple that we married uh, in on Bathurst, on the winery on Bathurst, P.S., who knew there was a winery And what there? about the stupidity that you can't rent the bloody winery in the middle of the, the, the race because, you know, it, it's technically not their land for three... It's shit. But also, I mean, it would, it would just feel weird watching Bathurst from a winery. Yeah. You know, it's just a combination of two very different mm. things. Mm, I think I can smell the uh, mm, break. <laughs> Pets. <laughs> if you are that couple that we did marry, please get in contact with us. Yeah, I'd like to know. And 
please still be together if you do because <laughs> well here's the question though is that I was just going to say what percentage of novelty weddings do you reckon actually stick around like I don't like I remember as a kid that one of the weddings that I went to was a Star Trek themed wedding truly now it was my mum's mate whatever and it was such a big deal at the time that Larry Emder who at the time was working for Good Morning Australia that's how far back we are going wow covered it Right? And you know that thing when, if you've ever been to anything that is filmed for TV, like you sit watching TV for the full three hours (laughs) and you're slightly disappointed that they only show 30 seconds just before nine o'clock. Yes. Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? But I remember this. But I reckon, what do you, do you you think that a novelty wedding, and while obviously the one we were involved in, we hope it worked, Mm. no doubt, we'll check in if you're listening, God love you. But do you think a novelty wedding is the best way to start? I think a novelty wedding is – I would be more likely to say that novelty wedding people will stay together longer than normal wedding people. Really? Yes, because I think novelty wedding people are completely aware of who they are, what they love, what they're into. They also have somebody else who deeply shares a fairly sometimes niche passion. That shows a commitment to me that will serve you well the rest of your days. But see, I don't know whether it's my personality, uh, but I can love things good, hard and deep, but then I move on. The only two things that I think I've genuinely loved, like love, 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 loved, most, if not all of my life, is wrestling. For sure. And Batman. Yeah, right. Right? So those two things, love, love, love. Mm. Star Wars, in and out, depending mm-hmm. on the films, but even then I'm not going to be as nutty as, as as I might have been before. You know, in and out of certain types of music, we're all like this. Yeah. So I'm saying, so imagine if, you know, in 1996, you and your bloke were so into Alanis Morissette that you had a Jagged Little Pill wedding. <laughs> And, you know, she's still really into Jagged Little Pill. Like, you know, always leaves your notes every day saying, oh, it's like rain on your wedding day. (laughs) And eventually you sort of grow out of it a bit and go, oh, okay. I feel a little Dave Coulier here. This is is the great – is that Uncle Joey? Yeah, he's – remember, that's one of the songs about. This is the guy who – well, I loved Uncle Joey because he always used to do that, cut it out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) On Full House. Interested to see what they do with the remake of Full House. As we sit here, we're watching an American show and John Stamos is being – uh, is being interviewed because they're, they're getting they're getting the cast back together. Why? Yeah, but without the Olsons, aren't they? I know because the Olsons have actually managed to build a career of their own, and they don't need the work. To be fair, though, it's not hard. You just put two brooms in the corner and put a wig on it. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. You know, companies are always doing some kind of stunt for Halloween or whatever. Um, hey, yes, I'm sorry. I know we do this every year, but I, I don't do Australian Halloween. No, like, if you no, want to, no. like, I know it's a dress up kids thing now, and that's fine. But at its heart, the whole idea that I have to have lollies out the front of my joint because your kid wants to dress up like Batman. Pfft, Whatever. This is the issue. We used to live in uh, an apartment building and we would go around and do Halloween every year. But the parents would always pre-issue a warning. So put the letters in the letterboxes and say we're going to be coming around. You know, having said that, there were still plenty of people whose doors we would knock on and say, trick or treat. And you could see they were like, kids, I've got shit to do. Dude, you know, like, I'm on. watching telly. Do you think I had time to go down to Coles and buy your <laughs> shitty mixed lollies? No, I don't. So you can either have a couple of tea bags and a half rotten <laughs> banana or you can f*** 
off because you forget about getting a trick. You know, it's it's seven o'clock at night and I've had a long day at work. I'm not going to do a backflip for you. I think it's a really chump move. Not good when the neighbour teabags you. <laughs> Definitely not. But Burger King have released a black bun. Right? Oh, what? This is it. Oh, no. So this is this ooh, spooky black Everything's bun. spooky and must be black or full of blood. <laughs> exactly. It just looks like it's full of mould. Exactly. Any other day of the year, a black bun is something you would not touch because you'd think, ooh, God, I haven't cleaned out the cupboards in ages. Yeah, blush. But Burger King have brought it out and it's caused a bit of a social media storm mm. because... Is it p- racist? <laughs> Has somebody declared it's racist? <laughs> Because seriously. I wish. Oh, you know what? Because um, black people are disproportionately in lower socioeconomic groups, they have to eat fast food, and therefore you're saying that a black person only is going to get to the fast food level of life. No, no, we're not. Yeah, and and Sesame Seeds is clearly a reference to Sesame Street and Oscar the Grouch, which means poverty. Who knows? I'm surprised that the argument didn't go that way, but the way that it did go was that the bun, whatever they've put in it to turn it black, is turning people's poo green. <laughs> now, not only when I was reading this story, I thought, well, as somebody who is a regular chlorophyll drinker, I can sympathise. Oh, okay, right. Sorry, I can empathise. <laughs> okay. So I started reading with interest, but what shocked me most out of everybody, out of everything, was the fact that the people who had experienced the green poo phenomenon weren't content that their words would be believed. So we're actually uploading photos. Come on. Not only of in situ poops, but of paper wipage. Oh, stop. But what what for? So they're putting this on their own Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They're not not doing it to rape my poo or something. No, no, no. And this is the problem with Twitter because when companies have a problem, all of a sudden every person that has an issue with them can contact them directly via their social media. And publicly, which is sort of the whole worst. You get to make a scene. But if your poo's turned green, wait till the companies come back and said, no, it hasn't, before you issue proof. Correct. You know, just let them take you on your word. But also, I don't understand. Okay, here's the thing. I don't mean to to break the news to some of the mouth breathers who complain about this stuff, (laughs) but um, food and poo is cause and effect, right? (laughs) What you put in is what often comes out. Exactly. Okay? So here's the deal. You eat something black. Mm Mm-hmm. It might come out a little different. That's it. And sometimes it's cause for concern, like when you you have some beetroot and a juice and then you think you're bleeding and you're in trouble. (laughs) I was so trying to avoid (laughs) the bleeding talk. Get the guys up on the Paul and Rach Facebook page. Small moment of etiquette, Rach, and I know we dealt with this a couple of podcasts ago, but I'm not going to go back. I can only look forward. Good. There's no reverse on this brain, okay? Good, yep. There's a lot of other randomness, that and the other. And I know mm-hmm. we had a big discussion about whether it was appropriate or not to wear no footwear into the shops. I'm pro, you're anti. Yeah. What is your view on the Kate Sobrano Big story of the week. Thonggate. The Thonggate. That mm. apparently she was booted from one of the Qantas lounges, and I don't know Qantas because I fly Virgin. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very <good> comfortably. People. <laughs> good people. Now, um, but the idea of being booted from an airport lounge, where she, was, she wasn't dressed poorly, mm. she was just quite normally, but she essentially did have a pair of thongs on. 
But this is always the central difference between the man and the woman, that you can get away with the smallest little string connected to leather that will cost 400 bucks, and then apparently, apparently that is a pair of shoes. Yeah. I don't think you can charge $800 a year for membership and then say if you come in and – I mean, if she had walked in in a bikini and some slides or, you know, she looked like she just walked in off the street. But if you see the photos, she looks like any other middle-aged woman, you know, who's wearing a nice pair of flip-flops. The thing that I found tragic about the photo, that I couldn't see Phil Sobrano. And I thought he was always wherever she went. <laughs> you know the thing that we're t- on the topic of footwear, the, the thing that I would justify them in kicking people out, have you seen those jelly shoes? Oh, ridiculous. Fashionable or not, the thing I cannot understand about jelly shoes is how anybody gets through two seconds of wearing them without stinky, sweaty feet. Absolutely. If I wear anything without socks, it is an absolute disaster. It's that thing every time. Every time I wear... Because I'm, I'm not at boat shoe yet, but whatever that is just before boat shoe is where I currently am. Mm-hmm. Right then, that I love the shoe with no sock on it. After a day, though. Like I've had to buy lots of different shoes in order to cycle them, so I'm not just you know ponging it up everywhere I go. This is a fashion issue for me because the old sort of cropped jean with a a slide shoe is a good thing and it's very fashionable. But I can't wear anything because there are no sockets small enough mm. to hide my the fact that I'm wearing a sock. But jelly shoes are another level entirely because the material that they are made of is plastic. Yeah, exactly. So you put that on any kind of area where there are pores, it immediately clogs those pores. Mm. You're swimming in your own feedy juices. And this is why Rachel has never done edible undies. <laughs> she, you've been very clear on this, that while you're up for anything, That's it. the idea of just <laughs> marinating the edible undies. Not interested. Want to stay in touch? Head to the website, paulandrach.com.au. Rach, before we go, some breaking news. Breaking news. How you left me solo there? Oh, sorry, breaking news. <laughs> Justin Bieber's What? Somebody has paparazzoed the young fellow's old fella. Let me see if I've gotten this correct in terms of how this has happened in the moment. I say this as somebody who still hasn't seen the Pammy and Tommy Lee sex video. I am always super late to the party on everything, and whenever I want to see it, I can never find it anywhere. You, I think, have just seen over my shoulder a story about Justin Bieber being papped, and in two seconds you've got the... I know how to find nudes. What can I say? I know how to find it. I am like a nude bloodhound. Literally, as it, we're doing the podcast over the shoulder. There's entertainment tonight playing. Bieber nude. And I've gone bang, 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 bang. Got it. But see, I always get to it at the stage where the image is being taken <laughs> offline. But you've gotten to it so quickly. Where oh, do I want to see it? Who's taken it? Is it another one of these birds that he's called no, to? No, no, a, no. This, no? Is a, this is a paparazzi who's worked out, you know, oh, that's Bieber. Bang, bang. I've got the money shot. My favourite, though, are the quotes before I actually show you the photo. Please. This one here is from Rich. I think it's more uppercase, not small, than certifiably big. So, put simply, that is the Bieber. What is he doing and where is he standing and why is he naked? He's frolicking for some reason in some what looks like a Tahitian villa. If you are a celebrity, Mm. he wants that picture out there. Oh, absolutely. Frolicking nude. You do not frolic. I mean, it was like Millsy on the oh yeah oh, on just... the balcony, waking up after a morning with Paris Hilton, just casually looking over the Sydney skyline. Yeah. You wanted the old paps down there to give it a bit of you've just done it with Paris Hilton. Okay, here's the thing. When you're on a double bed, there are two ways of going. You can go left out the front door <laughs> or right onto the balcony. That's it. There's no 
accident. It's no. not on the way to the front door. No, clearly he's obviously very proud of that, and he wants it out in the in the public domain. Where do you find those things? Well, special places. <laughs> You're listening to Paul and Rach. We've got to do a uh, little five-star shout-out hey, uh. to the delightful people that have gone to iTunes and given us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, we love to hear from you guys, and this is a great way to get the podcast out to other people who haven't heard it yet. And I've just found a great little website called My Podcast Reviews, which lets you get the podcast reviews from the iTunes countries that aren't just Australia. Oh, look at you. So I so, so I use the internet to find Justin Bieber's... Mm-hmm. You? I'm using it for practical reasons. <laughs> We've got a little message here from Jasper1012, hey, uh, who's called his message safe word. <laughs> the best 45-ish minutes of my week. It's like catching up with friends that are way cooler than me, therefore making me cool by association. Oh, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Bless your little heart, Jasper1012. Uh, what have we got here? Ripper of a podcast from... Oh, why do you have to make your name so tough? Bultsport. 77. <laughs> what can I say? By far the best podcast in the known universe. Wow. That's big because they've just found life on Mars. That's you know. it. Even up there in Mars where you're, uh, where it's, we now know it's cold. Mm. <laughs> Thank See, you, Matt Damon. Learn stuff here. <laughs> Highlight of most weeks except when Paul goes away. Love Rachel's story time. <laughs> today, I'm just wondering whether we've run out of pornos. I'm hoping we haven't. But today I think Alan should read the porno okay. because he did make a guest appearance with that earlier story. Mm-hmm. So are these comments coming from Azerbaijan? Do we know where they're coming from? Those ones are from Australia. This one is from P.T. Ratlage in the Netherlands. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't know what voice this is. <laughs> what accent do they do in the Netherlands? Apparently Mexican. <laughs> a three-episode indulgence on a flight from Amsterdam to Dubai kept me entertained and laughing a little too hard. <laughs> We've gone international. That's, I'm loving it. I'm I loving love it. that we are the in-flight entertainment on the old Amsterdam to Dubai leg. Well, I don't, I don't know why. It's only just, just dawned on me about the binge quality of the podcast. Because mm-hmm. I normally, once I'm into something, bang, I get it every week. Yeah. But just the poor bastard who's listened to 60-something hours of us. I know. 60-something <laughs> hours of it. <laughs> oh, and I must give a shout-out, just to finish this segment, to Physio Eves. Oh, Remember him? Yeah, Physio Eves. <laughs> so he actually contacted us on the Paul and Rach Facebook, and uh, we love to get little notes from you and, and to hear from you anytime so please contact us there he said and i think as i read this i've actually made a, made a mistake okay <laughs> he said thank you for pronouncing my name right on podcast 64 no one does it's pronounced and then he's written it i-v-e-s which i think is still eves is it not but yeah, now yeah, i'm yeah. but now i'm thinking it might be ives but hang on now he's <laughs> congratulating you no but that was because the very first time we referenced it in podcast 64 we did it both ways. Oh. So, thank you, Eve slash Ives. <laughs> Keep the guys up on the Paul and Rage Facebook page. We have worked out we have actually run out of porn. Uh, we need to go and buy some more. So, to finish up, I don't want us to miss out on saying a quick hello to Alan. He always delights when he joins us on the podcast. Hello, Rachel. Oh, you just look fabulous. Thank- so, tell you what, for a girl... <laughs> For a very average, yet somewhat masculine-looking girl, yes, you are both average and masculine. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that greatly. Paul is obviously pissed off early. It's magical, isn't it? He <laughs> f***ed right off. He had the chance to be here for the end of the program, but thought, you know what? 
This, I'm pulling the ripcord. I think, to be fair, he was just a little bit nervous after your encounter all those years ago when you did tear him a new one. Well, his behaviour was offensive. I mean, the <laughs> and the shits and the poos and the <laughs> I mean, you can't say these things. I really hope you've been beeping this. <laughs> you've made some... Holy <laughs> 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 <Ollie> nilly. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. You're listening to Paul and Rach. What has happened to us? We're broken. I think we're broken.